Hello, all you positive heads out there. Thanks for tuning your beautiful brainwaves into the Positive Head Podcast, where you can always count on hearing fascinating discussions and interviews with the best and brightest consciousness change makers that are out there working tirelessly to help catalyze change and expand awareness all across Spaceship Earth. And if you enjoy the Positive Head podcast, please be sure to follow us on iTunes by subscribing there and also be sure to leave us a good review. In the podcast world, good reviews and subscribers on iTunes really are the holy grail. I mean, the more subscribers and good reviews you get, the more exposure you get. So if you love the show or even just like it a little bit, (laughs) please subscribe. Give us a good review on iTunes. I assure you the support will be very much appreciated, and I'm confident the good karma gods will rain blessings down upon thee for doing so. Also, if you haven't been over to PositiveHead.com lately, we have some really cool new things going on. I'm super excited to announce the launch of our new line of t-shirts. Of course, we printed up the typical stuff you'd expect, you know, Positive Head tees with our uh, super cool Flower of Life inspired logo. But uh, we also have some very unique tees that uh, have what we call chemistry uh, quotes written out on them. Now, if you're wondering what the heck a chemistry quote is, well, I won't spoil the surprise. Actually, you'll just have to go over to the site, check them out for yourself. All right, all you positive heads out there on this week's podcast, I have Dee Dee Fleming on the show. Didi is the co-founder of one of the most exciting event production companies on planet Earth right now, the Do Lab. And I'm absolutely thrilled to have the opportunity on this week's episode to pick his brain and see what the heck makes this guy tick. Hello, Didi. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Brandon. Good to be here. Yeah, great to have you. Now, for my listeners out there, if... Perhaps you've lived in a cave somewhere for the last decade. You just so happen to be tuning into this podcast for the first time after finally getting Wi-Fi access and you don't know who the Doolab is. Uh, perhaps at some point, uh, a blissed out wanderer strolled by your cave and you heard him talking about attending an amazing music and art festival called Lightning in a Bottle. If so, then you do know the Doolab because that's their flagship event. But first things first, before we discuss Lightning in a Bottle, why why don't we start at the, at the very beginning, Didi? Why don't you give us a little background story how you guys got started with the Doolab. Yeah, I mean it's uh, it's definitely an interesting beginning. There's no uh, clear definitive kind of start to the Doolab because it, it really started as this organic liquid uh, art collective slash party event company, you know, things <laughs> like that. Uh, nice. You know, the first lightning in a bottle predates the do lab in that it was a birthday party, you know, in the mountains for maybe a hundred, 150 people. So when the do lab kind of started to take shape, it was, you know, my brothers and, and dream Rockwell and myself, uh, just kind of doing other things with our lives, other careers, and just wanting to do something a little more creative. And right. what that was to us at the time was, you know, creating some art installations and going to some warehouse parties and decorating them and making them a little more festive. And then, you know, turn into larger sculpture type stuff. And then it turned into, you know, going out to Coachella and starting to do our projects out there. And all the while, you know, continuing what Lightning in a Bottle was and that it was the birthday party. And then we just expanded upon that and did 
a bigger event, something that we charge money for people to come and enjoy and, you know, so that we could take some money and, and reinvest it into the event itself and make it cooler. So that's kind of the beginning. It was all around like 2004-ish and, you know, it, it's still the thing because we're still kind of figuring this thing out. <laughs> right, right. Um, how did you guys come up with the name? You know, we we had a loft downtown in the artist district and okay. we in LA. You know, it was one of those places yeah, in downtown LA. And it was just one of those places where people always pop in and say hi and just kind of hang out. And it, it got to a point where we were just always doing stuff and making things and creating and just, you know, I think we had a TV, but it was just for watching movies every now and then. Like we were right. just, we had so much energy, we have energy. And so people would come over and they'd be like, wow, I'm not just going to hang out and have a beer. Like we're like, no, if you want to come over, you got to be doing something with us. And uh, somewhere along the way, I think maybe it was Dream came up with the term lab because we were just always doing stuff right right that's that's a great name and makes total sense hearing that so uh, i actually had a friend a long time ago who had a uh i always think of a, a friend from many years ago maybe 2000 or so that um i was in a band and we played with a band all the time called the collab and of course it was based off of <laughs> collaborative so every time i hear of it i think back to my friends from all those years ago you know with the collab but uh yeah that's great now it's it's you and several siblings, right? What is that dynamic like? Yeah, uh, yeah. It's my two brothers, Jesse and Josh, and myself, uh, along with many other people. But yeah, we, you know, we've been at this for a while, and uh, working with your siblings is is unique. It's it's funny because a lot of people bring that up, and their first reaction is usually wow, I could never work with my brother or I could never work with my sister. You know, we, right. we even live together still, which, um, you that's, know. That's my story for up until a few months ago, working together and living together. So I, I, I get it. Yeah, so, it, you know, it, it creates a dynamic where you have ultimate trust and confidence because this is someone that you've spent your whole life with. with. Sure. And, and you, you already know how they're going to react. They know how I'm going to react in certain situations. Um, you know, we, we just kind of fell into these particular roles that, you know, our strong suits just kind of come out and we found our natural positions within this thing. And it's, it's great. There's so many positives there, you know, now don't get me wrong. There's always challenges when you work with your siblings, you're more likely to call each other out on their shit. Uh, you're not going right. to bite your tongue as much as you would if, if you had a, a traditional business partner or something. But I think that's healthy too. It, it really helps, uh, stabilize this thing. And, and, um, you know, it also, I think this is the, the, the best thing is that I look back over the, the last 10 years or so, and there's probably no way that the do lab should still be going or lightning in a bottle should still be going because of the enormous challenges that we faced over the years. And yeah. I think many traditional company partnerships would have crumbled. Uh, yeah. You know, just there's too many things constantly go wrong in this type of business in this industry where it's like, you know what, screw it. I'm going to, there's, there's gotta be an easier way. And, uh, because we're brothers and siblings, we're able to tough it out through those challenging times. And, uh, I think that's why we're still here. 
Yeah, that's that's makes a lot of sense. And yeah, I've having attended Lightning in a Bottle for several years. I think the first uh, time I attended was uh, was it Temecula uh, or Riverside where you guys were? And I, I know yeah, there were yeah. some challenges there. So uh, you definitely sure have come a, a long way in the in the you know three years that I've attended. And it seems uh, it seems like you know really smoothed out a lot this year. Um, you know, with, with lightning in a bottle, I mean, it was bigger than ever, uh, seemed to, to run like a well-oiled machine. Um, how, how many total people ended up attending? You know, there was throughout the weekend, it was probably about, um, a little more than 20,000 people, uh, which, how many? which is how many great. Is that, uh, a little over 20,000. That's awesome. And, and it's tough to say because it's a full weekend festival and people coming and going, but, uh, right. Yeah, it was exciting to have that kind of growth and also have it run so smoothly and so well. Right, right. Kim, it definitely did. It was impressive. It you know, compared to a lot of the the other festivals around, it, it was much larger. And but yet, like I said, it really seemed to run like a well-oiled machine. And I know you you probably paid a lot of dues to get there. <laughs> so congratulations on that. It was really, it was really impressive this year. And, and everyone I talked to was so impressed. Thank you. Can, now, can we expect it to continue to grow or is it maxed out at that, you know, capacity? I mean, will you be setting up permanent residence in, in coming years in, in Bradley, California, where it's been at the last few? You know, it, it's tough to say if we're going to continue to grow or not. Like we, we still need to have that conversation uh, it's not a top priority to just make it bigger and bigger and bigger. It's a right. top priority to make it better and better and better. And uh, one of our biggest fears over the years has been, you know, if you go back to the very first LIB as a music festival in 2006, people still talk about it. It had this intimate vibe, this, you know, everyone was able to have this amazing connection there. And they really, you know, they felt like, it was just this small boutique intimate thing. And, right. and I was like, all right, well, we can't lose that vibe and that energy, but we kept growing and growing and growing. And we, we think that we've been able to maintain that, you know, that's the feedback we get anyway. And as long as we can keep maintaining that vibe and that, that closeness that people feel and that intimacy, then, you know, we'll explore growing a little bit. Um, but as far as the long-term home in Bradley, we absolutely uh, plan to make that our long-term home. And we've been building a, a really good relationship with the, the community and the parks department and, and the county in general. And uh, we're, we're feeling really comfortable with where we're at and we're getting to know them and work with them and, and partner with them on a lot of things. And it's been fun. And we look forward to hopefully that lake filling up someday and, you know, throwing a festival on a, a lake that you can actually swim in. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, uh, the thing, I guess, because of the drought for those of you, uh, not from California, uh, that has, has been, I guess, somewhat of an issue there. You're on a, a lake that's not very lakey. <laughs> so yeah. how, how long has it been that empty? Do you know? You know, it, it actually was, was full, uh, two years ago. And we, obviously we're having a pretty devastating drought out here, but it, 
the lake being empty is an indirect consequence of the drought. There's another lake that they release water from that's bigger. And uh, there was something wrong with the valve or the turbine in that lake. So they couldn't release water. And then they released it from our lake. And uh, that's why it's empty. Um, so it will fill back ah, up. I see. And, uh, you know, Good. in time. But that actually, you know, that actually helped us get there. If that lake were yeah. full of water, there's a chance that we wouldn't be doing the festival there. Right. So everything happens for a reason. Absolutely. Yeah, that will. Well, that would certainly be, you know, to speak to what you said a moment ago of constantly, not necessarily is growth the number one priority, but making it better. And that would be a really cool addition to have that, uh, you know, to have water as part of the event um, and, and one that you don't have to break your neck trying to create. Right. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, now. You know, as far as you guys' success, obviously you've you've done really, really well with this event. It gets so much attention and 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 seems more and more every year uh, through all the trials and tribulations. I mean, many people who create such uh, uh, amazing careers for themselves always kind of knew they would do something special from the time they were young. Was there lots of talk of greatness around the Fleming household when you guys were were kids? Um, no, there there wasn't. It, uh, and, you know, I, I don't necessarily, you know, I don't, I don't love the term greatness because we're we're creating something that's special and unique and, and we're mm -hmm. always striving to make it better. But I don't think I would ever call call it great. Uh, at least I'm not going to call it that. But growing <laughs> up, you know, I know there's you have a types of people that really push their kids and, you know, really go after or push them to go to law school or become a doctor and become great at what they do. Our, yeah. our childhood and our parents were, they left us a lot of uh, wiggle room to kind of create our own path. And they were really supportive and guiding us and supporting whatever it is that we chose to do. And I don't know that too many people are going to, you know, encourage their kids to grow up and throw parties. Uh, <laughs> exactly. You know, and that's not what we set out to do when we were little. But there was always this energy and this spirit around our household. And my parents loved to entertain and host and, and do it in unique ways, in creative ways. And it was just that spirit that, that we we're surrounded by that is what you know, helped us decide what we want to do and helped shape who we are as, you know, you know, and, and, and throwing LIB and pushing the envelope with the do lab and structures and creating and not really following rules, but just kind of breaking down barriers as much as we can and pushing the limit. That's what we were surrounded by. And that's, that I think is more uh, of a reflection of what we're doing now. Yeah. It sounds like it, you had a kind of a platform that, enabled you to go any direction that you wanted and you guys took a very interesting direction from a lot of people's perspective including mine so um absolutely and and the support thing is is really key and and my parents are still there to this day they've never missed an lib they were at a woogie weekend um you know they're just so part cool. of the the team now and it's it's you know it's awesome yeah i think i caught uh, your parents actually talk giving a talk at one of the LIBs a couple years ago. Um, yeah, they hosted, a uh, 
I think they were the moderators for the the children's panel in the village right. uh, last right. yep. year, maybe or two years ago. So that, yeah. that's it. Yep. So how much? Of course, I'm sure you hear this question all the time with Burning Man being sort of the father of all similar festivals and creative uh, events. H- how did Burning Man influence the creation of Lightning in a Bottle for for you? I mean, was it you know, 2006, back when you guys started, where had you just been to Burning Man and came away saying, "Oh my gosh, how do we, how do we bring this, you know, out of the desert?" Or was it an influence? It was absolutely an influence. Um, I, I don't that we ever decided to try and mimic or replicate or duplicate or put on a Burning Man. For sure, Man. there's some definite differences, Where, of course. Yeah, I think the the inspiration, you know, Jesse and Josh first went in, uh, probably get this wrong, either 2000 or 2001. I went in 2003. I was still in Pennsylvania back then. And they would always tell me about it, this thing in the desert. And, you know, if you've ever been to Burning Man, you know that you can't explain it to somebody. It is what it is, and you just have to go. Um, and then I first like explaining and, a blind man how to see, I think is what, uh, they, they said on their website once upon a time. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yes, yeah, so, so much inspiration was taken from burning man. And a lot of it is, you know, just knowing that you can do whatever you want to do. And I think when you leave Burning Man, you say, man, next year I'm going to do this. And part of the fun of your year is just spitballing these goofy, ridiculous ideas <laughs> that you want to do or that someone even did at Burning Man. And so it really busted a lot of barriers for a lot of people, us included. And it was really that validation that's like, all right, well, we can stray even further from this path of normalcy or, you know, whatever it is that you think you're supposed to be doing, that's shattered. That doesn't matter anymore because Burning Man just said that I can do whatever I want and it showed me that. And, you know, and then there's the art. And when you get to be exposed to the art and the artists and, start to explore that and meet these people and then start to do it yourself. It, it's a game changer. And it definitely was with us. <laughs> I assume anyone who's doing something even close to your vein has probably been and in, in was so inspired. I know for, for me, the first year I went to Burning Man was 2005. And I remember just that v- very first night, very vividly being just like, you know, the energy was unlike anything I'd ever felt before. And uh, it is, it does have, for, for people who haven't been to it, it's just, it's hard to describe because it, it does have such a inspiring energy uh, about it when you have that many creative, open-minded people all getting together. Yeah, it's and, pretty neat. And you guys have really, you know, captured a lot of that essence with, with you know, it, it, differences and actually you know to, to speak on that for those in the listening audience who maybe haven't ever been to a festival like lightning in a bottle a bottle how would you describe it what what would you say differentiates a festival like li lib from a typical music festival you know i mean if you're going to look at a typical music festival and it's i don't even know where they are what they are anymore 
they're all unique in their own right. But, right. you know, if you think music festival, you're going to buy your ticket, you're going to go in, you're going to have a stage or two or three with some cool bands or DJs playing and, and you're going to race around to see them and you're going to get your slice of pizza and, and your beer. And, you know, that's your experience. And, you know, it's right there in front of you and it's on the lineup and you kind of know what you're going to expect and, and what you're going to get with a in a bottle that, you know, that's all out the window. It's like, yeah, we have a lineup and we have a lot of offerings, but there's so much going on. There's so many different workshops. There's so many different classes and distractions and art pieces and weird shows that just pop up around every corner that, you know, maybe you had planned to go see a DJ or, or something and, and six hours later you forgot all about it because you just right. get lost. There's so much gray area out there and there's so many, you know, there's so many fun, inspiring, goofy, you know, just ridiculous things that you can do. And then what all that stuff does is, you know, starts to break people down and, and they, they let their guard down a little bit and they become a little more open and they become yeah. a little more, uh, you know, caring or, or they're more concerned about their neighbor and the guy next to them than they would be in more of a guarded environment. And then, you know, when you have that energy that people are putting out there and it just makes the place better for everybody and you know that that just that keeps happening it's repetitive and you know before you know it you're the weekend's over and you're just sitting in the car reflecting on the way home and for the next week or month what what just happened and what you just experienced so it's hard to say because it's different for everybody but I think just the, the amount of offerings that we have and the amount of environments that we try and bring together and create for people to get lost is, right. is what kind of sets it apart. Yeah, I think what you touched on is an important piece for people who haven't ever attended something like Lightning in a Bottle, especially as big as Lightning in a Bottle is, when you get 20,000 people together who are all in this kind of elated state of openness and loving energy as the kind of fundamental theme with so much creativity and create, you know, creative music and, and art. And I think one of the big differentiations for me, you know, and you, you said it well, it's like, there's not really a typical festival these days, but you think back to maybe your younger years, it's like, you know, people are too cool for school and it's, it's, it's very kind of clicky and things like that at uh, surrounding uh, music scenes and so forth. And that I think that's one of the most magical elements of something like Lightning in a Bottle is the fact that, that you don't have that. It's, it's like everyone is just so open and loving and accepting of everyone around them. It really just changes... You know, you, you feel like you're a part of something, no matter who you are, whether it's your first time or whether you're the veteran who knows everything and every music artist and every, you know, uh, other painter, every, you know, you know what I mean? It's just, it's really a special uh, container that it creates. And it's why I think it has such an effect on people uh, and dramatic effect on people, you know, the first time, especially. Yeah, I mean, it, it's really neat for me to watch, but I think 
more importantly for me to get the feedback and hear about that aspect because it's hard for me and everyone involved and many people involved in putting it together. They don't get to step out of, you know, being an emperor or, you know, a creator and step into the role of being a festival goer. Right. But you do get to read everyone's stories. It's overwhelming how much of the feedback is like how this was someone's first time and how they kind of went in with their guard up a little bit. And they just they were converted right away because of how many people just come them in, helped them along the way, taught them, you know, what they should expect or, or help them put their tent up or, you know, they're just so kind and generous right off the bat. And then it just shows people a world that they want to live in, that they're not necessarily new experience back in reality. Right. Absolutely. Now, how do you guys go about choosing the actual, you know, art structures and the artists, you know, and the music? There's so many components. How, how what is your role uh, among all that? And how do you, how do you divvy that out? Well, there's a huge team. You know, the Do Lab is a massive team. We have people that have been with us from the beginning, and uh, we have a lot of producers. You know, we have we have a team that just goes out and and selects and and picks all of the big art. You know, the art installations, uh, the interactive environments. Um, we have, you know, my brother Jesse. Uh, he. He books all the music and all the uh, mm-hmm. all the lineups for all this almost all the stages. There's a couple of smaller stages that uh, some friends do that as well, and, and the Grand Artique, like they kind of book their own stage. Uh, right. The you know the the team is huge, and a lot of times we work together on a lot of this stuff, and a lot of times we just you know we trust that the people that we're working with just have such a a good understanding of, of what LIB is and what we're trying to create that they run with that. But I don't get focused too much on the creative stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I work more in, you know, the logistics, the operations, the politics, the, you know, I work with all the, the agencies and the, the law enforcement and the counties, you know, the fun stuff. Um, <laughs> the, <laughs> You know, and I and I love that stuff. It's that's creative to me. Like finding ways sure. to make. You know, we're building a city in the middle of, you know, rural America, and and there's a lot of right. moving parts to that, outside of the fun art, music, you know, element. So I'll put a lot of my energy there, and uh, and you know, make that yeah. as good as it can be. Absolutely. You know, a question that kind of comes up based off of an article that I just saw within the last day or two, uh, I guess a, a festival recently, hard festival, there were some, some people that actually died from drug usage. I'm assuming with you, you're the front lines with that sort of thing. I mean, is that in, in, in the article, it was, it was stating something to the effect of, you know, government officials are saying ban all, you know, electronic based, uh, or influence music festivals. I mean, is that something that's always kind of a, 
a, a fear lingering uh, because obviously you can't control 20,000 people and you, you know, if some, somebody doesn't know what they're doing and take something they shouldn't or too much of something, I mean, is that, is that, how, how do you deal with that? And what are your thoughts on how that, that sort of thing will play out in the future? Yeah. I mean, I, I have been working really hard um, lately and, you know, this has always been the elephant in the room and it's incredibly unfortunate. What happened this past weekend is incredibly sad. You know, anyone to lose their life, especially at, you know, a a music concert or festival where they're going to just kind of get away from it all. Um, Sure. You know, but some, uh, there's, there's so many moving parts to this conversation and we can only focus on what we do. Um, and we put, you know, we kind of call it harm reduction. Um, and we have a lot of different pieces of that puzzle. You know, we have a full-time medical staff that's on site. That's massive, you know, from nurses to physicians, to EMTs, we have a great working relationship with the, the sheriff's department and the fire department and the county uh, health department, uh, 911. We have a, there's a coordinated effort. Anytime you're doing something this large, you have a huge coordinated effort with all of these different agencies and teams. And you do everything you can to keep people safe that are inside of your event. Yeah. And, you know, you can certainly take the approach, and we take the approach that, you know, we do what we can to keep drugs outside of our event. Mm-hmm. But we prepare even more for the drugs that are going to make their way inside the event. Right. You know, you can't turn a blind eye and say we're a drug-free event. Therefore, you know, we're not going to put a lot of effort into, you know, dealing with drugs because inevitably they're going to show up. And yeah. they have since the beginning of time at any type of gathering or event. or Absolutely. You know. So we, we put a, a great deal of effort into our harm reduction team. Uh, We've been also slowly starting the conversation out loud because it is, like I said, the elephant in the room and no one wants to talk about it. Like the Zendo Project. Exactly. You know, Zendo Project is out there. Dance Safe is out there. Um, You know, and we're actually saying that out loud now where before we were just quiet about it. And the approach, I think, has to be the responsible. The responsible approach has to be talking about it, finding the best practices to, you know, not just keeping people safe and and you know keeping them alive, but educating them at the same time, because obviously right. there's a problem. You know, drugs at festivals is a problem, and uh, you know you can look back and say, where's the problem? come from you know it's the kids it's the drug dealers it's the parents it it is what it is it's here you know our job is to to try and make sure that people can still go to music events and go to our events and be safe and feel protected and if they have questions we put the tools in place to to be able to answer them if people have a problem you know we have the infrastructure place to be able to deal with that problem and uh you know, it's a great fear of ours, of, of any event producer, to have something like what happened this can happen. Uh, so we're working really hard to just kind of put all the tools in place to be able to educate people, to make them aware of the tools that we have in place, uh, 
if, if they have a friend in need or if they're in need and just kind of keep that conversation going because events aren't going away and drugs aren't going yeah. away and right. the, the need and desire to, to combine the two probably isn't going away either. So I was going to say, I think it's absurd for any government official to say that, you know, oh, well, it's the it's these festivals fault. We've got to stop them. And that will stop any kind of drug problem. And it's just it's an insane notion. And, uh, you know, like you say, none of it's going away. And, you know, the government, you know, the it's the board of supervisors here in Los Angeles that are taking action against what happened this weekend. And they have a duty to take action. And uh, anytime something bad happens, there's a reaction. And, you know, I would like to see that reaction be slightly different and and see what, you know, what this event had in place to prevent these types of things. It's not the event producer's fault. Uh, and, and you can... If you took the approach of, of searching everyone for 20 minutes to make sure that a little tiny pill doesn't arrive inside the event, then that, that event just can't actually happen because logistically speaking, it's just not going to work. There's, there's a lot of things you can do, but just kind of having prohibition, that, that's been proven over time to not work. Fully agree. There are so many transformational music and art festivals popping up these days with, you know, LIB emerging as one of the biggest and most successful. Um, tell me, why do you think you've had such a major success and garnered such a large following compared to, you know, so many of the other smaller festival producers? I think, you know, I, I can't speak for the other guys, but when we started LIB, we didn't start this with any long-term goal. We, yeah. we started it with what was in front of us and the limited resources in front of us, and we worked with what we had. So we started small and we grew organically. We never had a big injection of money or investment from somewhere where we we're going to be like, all right, well, this year we had 3,000 people. Now we're going to go out and book you know, Radiohead and turn this into right. 25,000 people. Right. You know, and I think when you have those big leaps or if you're even if that's what your intention is from the very beginning, then, you know, you can put together an entertaining show, but you're not necessarily building this trust with with your audience and building a core audience. I think if you look at the successful festivals, Burning Man, Coachella, Electric Daisy Carnival, like their attendees trust them and to the point where they're going to buy their tickets before there's a lineup. All they need is a yeah. date and a price, and they're going to buy it. And right. I think LIB has, has nurturing this, and we have a reputation that you know, we're going to do what's best for the audience and our attendees, and we're going to put on a great show, and hopefully we're going to book a lineup that everyone likes and, and feels good about. And uh, they're going to tell their friends and they're going to come and have a great experience. And we're not exploiting them. We're not, uh, you know, exposing them to like massive corporate sponsors and we're not charging right. for water. And we're not, you know, we're not doing all the little things that may benefit us as a company in the short term. Uh, yeah. You know, we're doing what's best for them and ourselves in the long term. So I think, yeah. you know, that's that's one of the things that enables us to say that we're successful. Now, how many years have you guys been involved with having uh, your own section at Coachella? 
And do you see that as something that has really helped with your success as well? Sure. Yeah, it's it's been a huge help. Um, we we've now done eleven Coachellas. And oh wow! I didn't realize it was so many. Yeah, it's uh, it predates first LIB in two thousand and six. The first festival version of LIB. Um, yeah, we started doing that out there, and it, it was a neat progression. They. We um, were connected to a guy, Phil Blaine, who was the art curator back then. Uh-huh. And he didn't know us. He, he knew a, a buddy of ours that worked with us at the time. And they talked, and, and we got into Coachella with a tiny budget, and we built a you know, a geodesic dome with some weird art sculptures in it. And we had misters and, and gave people slices of oranges. And uh, we snuck in some speakers. And had some of our friends play music. And that was kind of how we started at Coachella. And they saw what we did and they were, you know, I guess they did. They asked us to come back the next year. And then Must have done after a couple right. years, it evolved and turned into, yeah, you know, it turned into the Dulab area and then the Dulab stage. And uh, it's, it's grown. So they've given us a tremendous amount of exposure. But they also trusted us to create, and there were no rules. They didn't really say, we want to see this, or we want to see that. And, and for many years, they were faceless to us. We didn't actually deal with, uh, we dealt with one person, but we didn't deal with, you know, Paul Lett and, and Bill Fold and Skip and the guys that are putting this thing on. Uh, we do now, but we didn't then. And we just knew that we had a budget and we were going to create stuff and there were no rules. Right. It was, you know, don't spend more than you have, but we did it anyway. And we spent our own money and we created wow. these absurd environments that were just, you know, so much fun to, to create and design and build and then get to watch people get lost in them. And it didn't matter that we were losing money at Coachella every year because we were creating a brand and they were really instrumental in allowing us the freedom to to find ourselves and find out who we are. So, you know, we give them a lot of credit and they they deserve a lot of credit for helping the do lab, you know, find their legs. Yeah. What a, what a great natural organic, you know, symbiotic relationship that you guys developed it's it's really a it's an inspiring story it's really really cool the way you guys you know made it happen and that you went above and beyond and obviously that you know paid off and i think that's a good lesson for all people you know whoever get an opportunity make you know take full advantage of it go above and beyond because you can never foresee what it will lead to and in your case you know i think yeah that probably did make quite quite a difference exposing you guys and then you know once people got into lib they saw wow okay i'm 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 hooked now so that's uh that's a great story now you recently just launched a spinoff festival woogie weekend which is based off of one of my personal favorite music stages at lightning in a bottle the woogie um besides getting really wet how do you feel the the first woogie weekend uh, event went well, it definitely was wet, uh, but aside from that... <laughs> Which made a fun uh, I, element, I would say, though. Well, it did. It really did. So the, the event itself was great. People had a, an absolute amazing time. 
and uh, so did we, uh, the the crew and staff and production team. We had a great time, and that was uh, that was a really neat thing to be a part of because LIB has been growing so much that the people that put it on and work on it don't necessarily get to enjoy any of it. And we right. looked around all weekend, and we were like, "Wow, we're out here having fun too. We're really enjoying this." And we were seeing and interacting with everyone, and they were having a great time. And then the rains came. You know, Saturday it rained, <laughs> and it was like, "All right, you know, we can deal with this." It was a nice, warm summer rain. We got the gear covered up, but the party went on. Uh, people had a good time, and we we're like, "All right." Thankfully, Sunday it, it dried out. Sun came out, and kind of knew there was some rain in the forecast still, but we we're just crossing our fingers and then boom, you know, the sky <laughs> opened up. It more did rain too. fell, you know, it was unbelievable it, to the point where we were just laughing because it was yeah. so absurd. One of the yeah. beat nest stage, one of the stages literally had uh, water up to my waist behind the stage. We had, you know, all of wow. our gear was, you know, underwater and, and, Porta potties. We had to float them out of there because they were getting, you know, buried in water. It was just, it was crazy. But it also that was one of those magical things that just brings people together. I yeah. think people looked around and they were probably like, "Wow, my my tent's fucked, and you know, my stuff's <laughs> covered in mud." And you can do two things: you can be bummed out and and you know make it ruin your weekend, or you can say. I don't care. The party's still going on and I'm going to, I'm going to have a blast. And a lot of the people that stuck around, you know, they, they probably have, have memories for a lifetime because of that Sunday night partying in the rain and the mud. Um, yeah. So the event was great. We, we feel good about it. You know, we're, we're a little waterlogged still, but, uh, <laughs> all things considering it, people had a great time and we had a good time. Yeah, it was, uh, like you said, it was one of those things. And, and I remember personally, I live literally 20 minutes from Irvine where it was at. So, of course, I didn't miss it. And it was one of those things where I had to have that moment. It's like, oh, my gosh, I've, I've been to a lot of events and you know had a tent set up many, many, many times. And I don't think I've ever been flooded out like that. And I just I remember getting to that moment where it's just like, screw it, doesn't matter. I'm just going to go have fun and go play in the rain. And for a while, you know, you try to fight it and and it ended up creating just such a great experience once you kind of let go. And I think that's a great lesson for <laughs> everyone who is a part of it, because here we are in, in, you know, California, the drought, drought, drought. And it was like a monsoon. I mean, it really was insane uh, to see something like that. I don't know when I've seen that much rain near my house. Yeah, and you know you can't curse it because we need it, and yeah. you, you can't do anything but laugh. And I've experienced those types of rains and at festivals, but in Ireland and in London, <laughs> right. and, and in New York, but never in California. Like you just have to laugh at it. Yeah, it really was. It was the timing for there to be so little rain here, and it's like, what are the chances of me having a tent set up in this moment when this comes out of nowhere um so aggressively it was yeah, it was really something us having a festival set up in yeah, that moment exactly exactly yeah. oh man yeah it was just like had to be a hundred time fold what all of us that were just there experiencing it for you guys it was uh definitely had to have that moment of just letting go and laughing like you said so i think you made the right you had to laugh to keep from crying right <laughs> yeah absolutely 
Now, uh, so is that something, I mean, personally, as someone who went and just experienced it, I would say it was a major success. Uh, can we expect Woogie Weekend to become a new Southern, you know, Southern California summertime staple? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's the plan. You know, everything we do, we do with the intention of, of building it into something, you know, in the future, doing one-off sure. type stuff in this industry and in this world just doesn't really make sense. So yeah, yeah. we, it was successful and, uh, you know, we, we still have a great relationship with that venue and we definitely plan on doing it again next year. Yeah. That, that venue was one of the, or the, the original lightning in a bottle location, right? Not the original. Uh, it was, it was our home from 2010 through 12. So uh, it was our second location. Our first okay. original home for three years was uh, just outside Santa Barbara. Oh, right. Uh, Live Oak, right? Exactly, yeah. Yeah, that's a great spot too. Yeah. N- now, will there be other spinoff festivals based around Lightning in a Bottle stages? Is this something that we can expect to see more of? You know, if it feels right, you know, we, we may try something else. Uh, you know, we did joke about you know, maybe next year doing Woogie Weekend and, and following it up a week later with, uh, you know, something from the Thunder Stage, cool. uh, more of the music vibe. Um, you know, whether we, we pull that off or not, who knows, but, you know, it, it could be fun to try in the future. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, that that would be ambitious doing two in a weekend like that. Two or yeah. two in a row, two weekends in a row. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what what other festivals would you recommend for people out there who maybe have only, you know, some of our listeners who have only been to Lightning in a Bottle, you know, do lab events? What what uh, what would be one of your favorites? Well, I, <laughs> I'd recommend the Dirty Bird Camp Out, which uh, <laughs> is coming yeah, up that's in October coming in. at the same venue. That's Irvine as well, right? Yeah. It is. It's the same venue. Um, but yeah, we're partnering with Dirty Bird, and uh, That's which, so which great. is great because we've had so many Dirty Bird DJs playing over the years yeah. at, at our Coachella stage and Lightning in a Bottle. So it's going to be fun to team up with them. But, you know, other festivals that, you know, may be LIB-esque that we're big fans of, you know, the Boom Festival in Portugal is, is definitely one that oh, wow. we love. Oh, yeah, heard about uh, that. You know, creatively, we, we kind of, we've developed a, a great relationship with, with those guys that put that on, those guys and gals. And, uh, you know, we kind of look at ourselves as sister festivals. Um, yeah. Totally different music. They're, they're very heavy in the Psytrance, which, okay. you know, it's tough. I, I'm not a huge fan of Psytrance. I can certainly appreciate <laughs> it. We can all appreciate it. I follow it, you but, on that. It's it's more about the environment they're creating and the landscape mm-hmm. and the art and, and the spirit and the people. Uh, yeah. You know, I think those elements to me are more important than the music at any event. I agree. So I agree. Um, you know, music aside, uh, we look at Boom Festival as just like this can't miss sister festival. Um, yeah. So I, I'd put that at the top of the list. Uh, you know, Burning Man, if, if you've never been, you know. For sure. Crazy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you got it. You know, it's it's where so much of what we enjoy in life comes from at this point. So much inspiration comes from that. Um, yeah. Cool. Trying to think. Great recommendations. Uh, 
Yeah, uh, you know, Secret Garden Party. That's that's in the UK. Like that's uh, not a really cool. It, it's neat. It they took that you know their experience at Burning and decided to come back and create something really unique uh in the uk now uh-huh. i'm not going to compare it to burning man it's nothing like burning man but this creative energy and this uh you know desire to kind of you know push the envelope from a creative standpoint is there and it's a, a cool unique festival interesting yeah i would i would love to get the chance to check some of those international festivals out because i can only imagine that they're uh they're just naturally going to bring a different flavor right being in a different country. Yeah, the people, the culture, it's totally different. Yeah, the only thing that I've been to is uh, Envision Festival down in Costa Rica, and that was really cool. Uh, but other side from yeah, that, I've never one. been to anything. Yeah, it's a good one, too. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's so many. You know, Symbiosis coming yeah. up mm-hmm. uh, in September. Like, they're good friends of ours, and there's a lot of crossover with LIB and, and Symbiosis. And, uh, you know, we'll be out there just running around having fun because that's, oh. that's what we can go to. And, and, uh, let loose with all our friends and not have the responsibility of, you know, putting anything on. And how much more do you enjoy it because you've been on the other side of the fence too? Uh, You know, it's hard for me personally, it's hard to go to these things and enjoy them. I want to still be on the other side of the fence. Uh, If if things are going wrong, I'm like, Ooh, what's going wrong? How do you know, how can we fix it? How do I help? Yeah. Uh, You know, how do I plug into this thing? Because, you know, that's the excitement for me kind of watching it, it's hard to go now and and not see how it's made because yeah. you know how it's made and you know what all the challenges are and and you know it's just part of our dna as festival producers and sure not that you just want to dive in on that side of it sure yeah when you're born to do something and then you're it's it's right there in your face like that it's hard not to uh, probably follow those urges so that makes a lot of sense um Within within the festival community, you hear a lot of talk about people wanting to create, you know, more permanent uh, infrastructure, permanent village infrastructure or eco villages, uh, that sort of thing. W- what is your thoughts uh, or, you know, interest level in that sort of thing? You know, it's definitely um, something that we would love to be able to do. You know, we, we look at someone like Coachella and they, they now have the luxury of, of owning, uh, most of that property out there and they get to build permanent infrastructure. They get to take the feedback they get from their audience and make permanent real changes. And we, we do that in that we get the feedback and we, we figure out how to make changes, but we put up temporary bridges at LIB, you know, how cool would it be if we could make really cool artistic bridges that are going to stay there forever? Uh, yeah. You know, how cool would it be to build stages that you just get to build on every year and, and not have to just take down, you know, the amount of work that goes into our event, any event is, is extraordinary. Must be and incredible. then to set it up. Yeah. So you set this up and it's only up for four days and then you don't really get to enjoy it. And then all of a sudden everyone leaves and you got a race to take it down. And that's really hard to do because you bittersweet put so much time and energy and you're never going to see it the same way it just happened. So you're taking something down forever. And, yeah. uh, you know, it, it would, it would be amazing to have a piece of property and, and build it out, customize it and, and, uh, just kind of capture that energy instead of having to release it as soon as the event's right. done. So, but it, that's not an easy thing to do. 
no. you know, getting a piece of property for an event this size and owning it and, you know, all the, the politics and craziness that surround that. And, you know, so for now it's the pipe dream, but it, hopefully it's something that uh, in the future we can, we can really make it come to life. Yeah. Yeah. That's, um, I think that's an exciting, it seems like an exciting kind of natural progression for some of these events and I can imagine for you, you guys especially that are putting it on, it is it is really bittersweet to to just work so hard, never really have the chance to enjoy it, uh, and then down it all comes. And it's and yeah. it's not like it's just like a simple little tent or you know structure. It's these beautiful, amazing you know pieces of infrastructure and art that are almost gone as quickly as they come. And so uh, so yeah, I hope to see more of that sort of thing in the future as well. What do you think about the idea of attendees having, you know, a, you hear, of course, it, them are referred to as transformational festivals. What, what do you think uh, about the idea of attendees having a transformational or spiritual enlightening uh, experience at one of your events? I, I think it's amazing. It's, it's humbling. It's, uh, it validates what we do to hear how people react and respond to our blood, sweat, and tears, and, and our passion, and to hear how it has changed lives. Um, we don't take that lightly. Uh, we don't. We also don't march around and, and say that we're a transformational festival. Come here, and you're going to be transformed. It's like, right. we, you know, to be honest, we don't like the term so much. That's uh, I don't know where the term came from, uh, but it's, it's fairly new, a couple years old now. But. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, we're just creating fun experiences. We're creating a place for people to come and in turn create with us. Uh, yeah. So much of what people are getting out of this is from the other people that are there. It's not from us directly. It's from the yeah. environment that we create and the way that makes people feel. Um, so that I think is a big part of the transformation process. And uh, it's, it's, I, I can't describe it. Like we, we have a place on our website where people can give feedback and mm-hmm. tell their story. And, uh, and it, it, it's just really rewarding to hear how people are, are inspired and, and how their lives are changed or, or just set, you know, down a different path because of what they got to experience and enjoy at LIB. Yeah, I think that's a very humble and and honest kind of approach and perspective that you have there. You guys are creating the container and and it's a beautiful container that attracts beautiful amazing people and and from that, I know personally, you know, I've had some pretty uh amazing, you know, I guess you would say enlightening or transformational experiences in my life and one of them was at Lightning in a Bottle a few years ago and it came you know in just one of these little teepees that you guys had set up and there was eight of us in there and you know these right people at the right time and this this whole kind of experience happened that was really absolutely amazing for all of us that that witnessed it and were a part of it and uh, it's not something that you could plan. It's not something that you can promise is going to happen. It's not something that happened to me this year, right? But uh, it, it did a few years ago. And it was, um, you know, so I think that your perspective on it makes a lot of sense and, and 
you know, I, I just hope more and more people, I'll have to go to that area of your website and check, check out some of those stories because they fascinate me. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's neat and it's, it's neat to know too, that it's, it's complete random, you know, it's at random. Um, you know, you just stumbled upon a teepee and and decided to go in and maybe you were on your way to go see, you know, base nectar or something, but you said, screw it. I'm going to duck my head into this teepee now. And, and boom, there it was, you know, and it's cool too, because we have, um, we have some very close friends, a handful, uh, that met at LIB and, and for the first time and now are married and, uh, there's some of our closest friends. Uh, there's a lot of that. There's a lot of unions. There's a lot of, you know, there's men to be coming (laughs) together. Children conceived at LIB as well, uh, which we get a lot of, um, you know, which is cool creating festival babies, but (laughs) that's awesome. Yeah. So as far as the, like, that's a, that's a aspect that we haven't really touched on is like the, the temple of consciousness. What, what mm-hmm. was the inspiration behind the temple of consciousness? Um, what, what are you guys kind of looking to, to bring to the festival with that sort of staple you know, of the festival, right? It is. It's an absolute staple. You know, when LIB, when we first started this in 2006, uh, Dream, uh, Dream Rockwell really kind of set out in those early days to kind of create a zone and an area in the festival that had some yoga. Uh, you know, we had a lot of mm-hmm. workshops at the festival, but they, you know, we're at the temple that we're really focusing on, you know, more the spiritual side or the enlightening side of things and, and just kind of became a safe place for people and a really safe zone and a comfortable zone for people to go and kind of get away from the noise and, and just maybe learn something, touch base with, with themselves or their friends and, and just really kind of look inward. And, uh, you know, from that moment on, it was obvious that that was a much needed component in this world and this little city we're creating that it just grew and expanded from there and now it's massive it's a huge part of the festival yeah you guys have really attracted some great you know brought in some great teachers and speakers as well some of my i've seen you know some of my favorite authors over the last few years and so forth and so i think that's uh that's just an amazing addition uh to the whole experience that probably a lot of people don't realize who've never been that that element so I think it's important for sure an important one and it's hard to you know for someone that hasn't been or for someone that's not necessarily uh, aware of all of the offerings that that we have they get exposed to it for the first time at lip you know and i think that's a neat thing about the festival too it's like we're, we're taking you out of your comfort zone in some regard and and we're we're exposing you to things that you may not have known existed and the temple is, is you know, absolutely that. You know, people go there and they never leave the temple. They're not interested in any other areas of the festival. And then people yeah. stumble upon it and, you know, they're just they're wowed by it. And, and now they're going to go home and look up some different authors and they're going to read some different books and they're going to, you know, Google, yeah. you know, some crazy stuff they heard about channeling aliens. And, you know, who knows? Right, it just right, sets them down right. a different path. <laughs> right, right. Um, 
what are what are your personal thoughts on how spirituality and consciousness in the festival festival movement has grown i mean since 2006 have you seen seen that grow a lot yeah absolutely um you know i don't know how many other festivals kind of had that component but you start to see it more and more now and Mm -hmm. i think music festivals have evolved greatly uh in every aspect you know you can't just have anymore you have to have experience if people don't have experience along with uh you know just uh, sitting in a lawn listening to a band or a dj or dancing whatever that's that's proven to be not enough anymore or it's proving right. to be not enough so uh incorporating more of the the spiritual element or just kind of that that personal internal element to the events at least from our perspective is is really important because uh you know you you put someone in a a very intense environment for four or five days and a lot to handle and you need places to get grounded and you need a place to just kind of check in with yourself and and really you know, get out of that intense environment of just thumping music and because there's so much more and why not have it all in one place and why not, you know, treat yourself to that. Um, yeah. It, you know, we don't want to just have a limited thing. We want to have just crazy offerings for all walks of life and all types of people. Yeah. And it's not all spiritual. You know, it's a lot of times people look at the temple and just like, oh, it's all spiritual. I don't want to go over there and, you know, yeah. be force fed quinoa or something. It's like, that's not it <laughs> at all. It's like, there's, there's so much, you know, we have a lot of stuff around tech. We have a lot of stuff around relationships, around, you know, sustainability and, and you know, gardening and permaculture. And there's so many different things. And it's, it's you know, there's a spiritual component for sure but by no means is it limited to that. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a great point. Cause there is a lot, there's a lot of, I mean, from cooking classes to, you know, permaculture to everything in between to yoga, there's so much going on and there's definitely a little bit of something for almost anyone I would say. Um, yeah. So what are your personal thoughts you know, you as an individual on, on God, source, spirituality, consciousness. I mean, what, what are your thoughts on that? And I know that's a well, big that's, topic and a big, a big question. question. <laughs> um, you know, it, uh, that's a tough one to answer, but you know, what I look to, you know, I, I don't look to a, a particular God, but I look to, you know, the people around me and the community around me and, and, the energy that's created and that collective energy and, and, you know, what can come of that and, and how the people can make the world a better place and how community can make the world a better and stronger place and friendships and unions, stuff like that. Um, you know, and then there's the personal side of things where it's like, you know, practicing yoga and meditation or, you know, things that are important to me and, um, you know, self healing and, and, you know, personal growth through maybe less than traditional means or right. ways or practices. And yeah. So, you know, and by no means 
do I think that I have anything figured out? It's all a learning process and I'm, I'm learning as much as anybody. It's like, Absolutely. and I'm open, I'm open-minded and, and I'm constantly looking for new ways to explore and learn who I am and where I fit in on this planet. So that's kind of the way I look at it. It's, uh, such a personal thing it's hard to kind of express but totally totally it is it's it's a, it's a, like i said we could probably have a whole whole podcast on that one but i just you know i know there are people out there who have had so many of these amazing experiences at the events that you've thrown so i figured they would be they would love to hear what your personal thoughts are so i think you did a good job of giving us a taste of that um so what what are the plans for the do lab in the future i mean are there any other imminent projects we can look forward to well i mean you know we we just did woogie weekend uh and we're about to do the dirty bird camp out so there are two big ones um absolutely we've we've been wanting to start a new event for many years and and you know, through the different challenges that have been thrown at us, uh, we haven't been able to. So I think starting two new ones within a couple of months, uh, I'll, I'll say that that is the future right now. Um, I'd say you're, you're moving. Yeah. Yeah. So this, this is the future. Come on, man. We want more. We want more. <laughs> now, what, what more do you want from us? Um, but no, you know, again, with LIB, we're just going to look to see how we can improve it, make it better, make it, um, more of a permanent fixture uh, up north there and and see what happens with these two new events. And, you know, we're always brainstorming over here. Like there's there's some new ideas that we have and there's some things that we definitely want to do and we just mm-hmm. need the timing to be right and for a few things to fall into place and, and then hopefully we can do them. Stuff that's still percolating in the lab. Uh, yeah, things will never not be percolating. You know, it's... Uh, <laughs> Good. That's, that's who we are. We're not just sitting back Good. and saying, cool, we're yeah, comfortable well, I mean, in this. Just, it. Yeah. 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 It doesn't sound like it. And, and I'm glad to hear it too, because you guys, uh, what you're doing is amazing. Um, if you're stuck on an Island, you could only take, you've been exposed to a lot of artists, a lot of amazing authors, musicians, you know, visual artists. If you were stuck on an Island could take only one visual artist work, one musical artist, music, one author's books, who would they be? All right. Um, I would say a, a visual artist, uh, there's an artist named Cryptic that is here in Southern California and I just love his work. Um, yeah. you know, I have it on my wall at home and I just find myself staring in, you know, staring at it endlessly. Uh, you know, so maybe, maybe that, um, or maybe his, his work or hit, take him with me and he can just keep entertaining <laughs> yeah, me. Exactly. Um, <laughs> Can I take the artist or do I have to take the, the, the artwork? Um, <laughs> Whatever you prefer. Here. Uh, <laughs> all right. Author, you know, maybe, uh, maybe it's cheesy, but Paolo Coelho, you know, big fan of oh, his yeah. work. You know, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's just fun journeys and, and, you know, seems to touch home with a lot of, uh, a lot of his stories. So maybe him. And uh, mm-hmm. what was the other one? A musician? Yeah. And a musician. Okay. Uh, that's always a tough one because it's, you know, dependent on, upon my mood. But uh, if I'm stuck yeah, on an exactly. island, I'm feeling a little You're depressed. Still, yeah, I just want to chew. Or, you know, I could take Bob Marley and we can just kind of call it an island life. But There you go. Um, I, you know, 
emancipator. He's he's been a, uh, yeah. a huge favorite of mine for years, and yeah, I feel like it's it's uplifting and inspiring if I'm working, but if I'm down and out, it's also kind of therapeutic. And uh, so maybe maybe he's his music's one to take with me on an island. Well, I I definitely give you for whatever it's worth a thumbs up on all your choices. I'm a fan of all of those as well. So. Those are some good answers. Um, as uh, you know, as my audience knows, I always love to pry uh, about a personal story of synchronicity or a serendipity or you know something like that that's happened to my guest. Um, anything good? Anything juicy you'd like to share? Yeah, sure. I, you know, this is lib related, and and I just I still look back and laugh and. Uh, you know, in 2008, we weren't able to go back to Live Oak, and we just outgrew it, and, and we couldn't use it anymore. Right. And my brothers and I spent, you know, most of the remainder of 2008 and pretty much all of 2009 scouring California looking for uh, a venue to have LIB, and we weren't having any luck. And, and you know, in turn, we didn't do the event in 2009, and it was really heartbreaking for us but i got a tip to go up north uh, probably a little further than we wanted to but uh to this place called lake san antonio and uh was from a guy that did some work with us at lib in the early years and he said go take a look at this i did an event out there and it might be a good fit so Mm -hmm. you know we we drove all over california for days and days and weekends and and just countless hours and we decided let's go check out lake san antonio and we got up there mm-hmm. and, uh took us a while and we went to this you know this part of the shoreline and there was a little tackle shop there and we went in and we said hey you know where where would you do events around here you know we're, mm-hmm. we were told to come look at this and they were like oh well you probably want to go to the north shore we were at the south shore and we looked around and we looked at the terrain and we, you know, kind of looked at the landscape and there was no real open flat space, nowhere to do a festival. And the lake was full of water back then. And yeah. we asked her how long it was to get there. And she said about 45 minutes. And we said, fuck it. And we jumped back in the car and we drove back to L.A. And uh, oh, wow. that was in 2008. Uh-huh. So uh, skip ahead to 2008. 14, when we were kind of homeless again and needed a venue, uh, I said, let's drive up to Lake San Antonio and go to the oh, North wow. Shore this time, however many years later. And wow. uh, we did. And we looked at it and we were like, wow. And we just, we kind of laughed and we were kind of kicking ourselves. And, uh, <laughs> we could have been there many years ago on a lake when it was full of water. Isn't that But, fun? you know we just kind of laughed and said, all right, well, everything happens for a reason. And it does, you know, we, yeah. we grew LIB and the brand and, and got a really good fan base down here in Southern California. But, um, so then there was another little turn to that story in the last August after we had done our first LIB, we had to drive back to the South shore, but we drove a different uh-huh. direction. Uh-huh. And it turns out that we were standing maybe 20 feet. If we would have went 20 feet further down the road and made a left, we would have mm-hmm. been standing in the most beautiful festival grounds that would have been absolutely amazing for LIB in 2009, given the size we were. Better than probably any venue we've ever been to. 
for that size and wow. we were 20 feet away from it and we turned around and we went home. Um, wow. And to me, that just means that we weren't meant to be there until now. Yeah. Had, had we gone there, then it, it would have changed the course of the festival and, and it would have been a totally different thing. And we just weren't ready for it, but now we're ready for it. And that's why we're there. Well, you think about, you know, and that's a great, great story. And sometimes people look at things like that and say, you know, wow, it'd been so much better if it had went that way or, or something like that. But you're right. It's like, you wouldn't have had the struggles that you had, um, you know, those, those following years, I, you know, my first uh, time was in Temecula or Riverside, I forget which, which it was in. And, um, you know, that led to me going next year. And then the, the next year was, uh, I probably wouldn't have went all the way up to, to Bradley, California. And, and then that next year, I had such an amazing experience that I just touched on. So just to use one personal example, you know, of how that little, little shift uh, led to, you know, a, a really profound experience in my own life. So you never really know why things are happening the way they're happening. And uh, I think that's an awesome story to share. Little face. Yeah, exactly. Well, Didi, this has been uh, absolutely fascinating to pick your brain. I, I'm really, really glad I've had the chance to, to catch up with you. And I know our listeners will love, uh, you know, kind of hearing behind the scenes. Um, one last question that I would like to leave you with uh, before you go. And uh, it's the one I always like to try and put people on the spot with. What is the meaning of life according to Didi Fleming in 60 seconds or less? Wow. Uh, meaning of life. Um, you know, I, I can do it in under 60 seconds. I'm just going to say it's uh, community, friends, and family. Uh, that's, that's a short answer. Follow your passions, and, and, and that just leads to strong community, good friends, and, and, a, and a great family. Well said, Didi. Well said. Well, everyone, that concludes our podcast this week. Didi, it's been really great to have you on the show. Thanks so much for joining me. Uh, I look forward to watching and, you know, being a part of the Do Labs continued success. Yeah, it was my pleasure. Thanks for having me. As for all of you out there listening, remember to subscribe to the show on iTunes and give us a good review while you're at it. Otherwise, until next time, remember, as long as you ain't dead, you're already positive ahead. Be well, everyone. <laughs>